You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's get to Brett Beatty. Hoffman and I were ready to blast the Mets for not calling up Brett Beatty. If we did a, a podcast after game one of this series... You and I would have gone, you know, to town on the Mets for what are we doing? Devin Marrero, what the hell is happening? So, thank God they called up Brett Beatty. Hoff, when they first announced, I guess it was, I'm trying to get my day straight, on Monday. All right, Devin Marrero's coming up. No Brett Beatty. Buck Showalter makes the comment, right now we're not calling up Brett Beatty. We're not calling up any of our top prospects. Did you have a thought in your mind of, no, they're, they're gonna, they'll call him up. Or did you think that this was going to continue? No, I, I actually tweeted, I go, what is this? This is like, you might as well call up Dilson Herrera from the freaking Long Island Ducks or wherever he's playing right now. Like, I felt like this is just another, this was typical Mets old school mentality. Let's just bring up the, the some older veteran, give him another, who had a cup of coffee. Like, we're wasting time. I did not trust that they'd actually do the make the move for Beatty, and I was very nervous, and I was frustrated, and I wanted to punch a wall. <laughs> it it never made sense. Like obviously Escobar gets hurt, so the Escobar situation almost forced them to have to call him up. But when Guillerme got hurt, it made sense to call him up because, and we talked about this on the last Rico. Escobar struggles against right-handed pitching, <coughs> so if you have a guy in Brett Beatty who mashes righties. Why wouldn't you call him up just to take the Guillerme portion of the platoon and, you know, continue to play Eduardo Escobar against lefties? I totally get it. And them not calling him up then and instead going the Marrero way just because they needed someone to play shortstop. Dude, when does Francisco Lindor not play shortstop? And if Francisco Lindor gets hurt, here's what you do. For one day, for a few innings when he's hurt, you stick someone at shortstop who's not a shortstop and then the next day, you call up the guy that can give you, quote-unquote, coverage at shortstop. So, I didn't fully buy it then. When Escobar gets hurt, they had no choice. And the Mets have been very hesitant to call up their top prospects. We've seen how aggressive the Braves have been and how it's worked with Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom. I mean, it's, it's been amazing for them. Uh, I know Yankee fans are dealing with the same thing with what they want, with a top prospect being called up. The Mets were forced to do it. And the fact that Beatty hits a home run in his first at-bat. And more than that, more than that, because even in his second at-bat, he rips one up the middle. It's fielded by the shortstop. Outside of the at-bat against A.J. Minter in the eighth inning where he looked bad, he looks like he belongs. And that's what's most important. He looks like, yes, he belongs offensively. Overall, he was good defensively. I know he had that, I don't know if you want to call it a miscue, but he didn't make the play on the Grissom ground ball on DeGrom's final pitch. But at least for these two games, and it's only two games, granted, he looks the part. And 
that's encouraging. And it, it's also something where if he hits, and it's only two games, so who knows, if he hits, that's his job. Like, that job is not going back to Eduardo Escobar. It's not. Eduardo Escobar didn't hit enough. So it wouldn't be him losing a job because of injury. It's losing a job because he was ineffective. Essentially, he lost the job anyway to Luis Guillerme. And I think with Luis, we all love the guy. His best role is a super utility role. So this is Beatty's job, which I think is really, really exciting. All he's got to do is perform. And the game to start against the lefty, Max Freed, which they should. <laughs> what were you, you going to do? You're going to start Devin Marrero? Like, they don't have a lot of great options. I don't think they're sticking Mark Canna back at third base. So not only is Beatty here, Beatty's going to face everybody. Uh, and you look at the Phillies, it's mostly righties this weekend anyway with Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, and Kyle Gibson. Um, I'm not sure if Ranger Suarez is going to pitch in this series. I don't think he is because I think he pitched the other day. So they're not going to face any lefties, at least starting-wise. He's going to get a chance. And that's exciting. Hopefully he kind of does what Michael Conforto did back in 2015. He was a huge part of that team, including hitting a couple of home runs in a World Series game. So I'm glad we don't have to scream and yell about it. I think the difference between Beatty and Alvarez, why this one was more of a no-brainer, is they need Brett Beatty. I think with Alvarez, we were always trying to find a way for them to need him. As much as they don't get offense from behind the plate, I've at least accepted it's difficult to ask a 20-year-old to catch in a pennant race. And say what you want about James McCann and Tomas Nito. James McCann made the arguably the play of the game in Game 3 of this series, throwing out Ronald Acuna trying to steal. I don't know if Alvarez does that. And obviously handling a pitching staff is also impossible to measure when you're dealing with Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett with the 85 pitches he has. So I think with Alvarez it was right-handed DH sure made sense, but I think we were just pushing it. With Beatty, it's a no-brainer. He's the top third-base prospect in baseball, and the Mets had nobody to play third base. They were going to stick Mark Canna over there. So I'm glad they did it. They had to do it. They had no choice but to do it, and now he's got to perform. And his parents' reaction was amazing. You got emotional, Hoff. Didn't you tear up when you saw Beatty's family all uh, jumping up and down? No, I, I got asked that by BT today, too. Like, I, I wouldn't, like, say I was getting teary-eyed. I was jumping out of my seat. Don't get me wrong. Like, that was a freaking moment right there. But I wasn't getting as emotional as I think other people may have been getting. But it's okay. And, and, but listen, it, it was I'm a moment. I'm surprised, though, even more so with you than me. I have a five-year-old, and I've got some a, a, a child who's about to be two, all right? So while they play baseball and they like baseball, they're still a long ways away. You have a kid that plays, like, travel baseball. So I'm sure there are moments where your brain says, oh, my God, he may make the majors. Oh, my God, I hope the Mets draft him. That moment could happen to you and your wife. Now, me, I'm further away from it. So I would think it would resonate more with you than even with most others. No? Yeah, I, I that's what I was, was told today as well. But I, I again, I agree like, with me. I, 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 I agree. It should, but I, I didn't. I don't know why. I just was happy that I listen. The thing was, I was jumping up and down, like I was excited, like that. That to me was just like for the game, for the moment. It was amazing. I, I wasn't teary eyed, so. I guess I'm just not as emotional as I thought I was. All right. Look at that. Me and Brandon Tierney agree. How about that? <laughs> We're with you on that. Um, one other thing. Uh, as far as the playoff 
announcement from this week, which I thought was significant. I thought it was a very significant announcement in terms of how the off days are going to be structured in the divisional series in the LCS. Number one, I got a big issue with it. I hate it. I don't like it. Uh, I would prefer the format we've all grown used to, which is 1-2, off day, 3-4, off day, game five. That's not what's going to happen. There's no off day between game four and five, which is less impactful because the way it used to work is you would almost have a choice between regular rest of your game one or game two starter for game five. So if the Mets start DeGrom in game one, Scherzer in game two, in theory, both guys would be ready on regular rest to pitch game five. That's out the window now. You start game two, it would be short rest. You start game one, you're good to go. So I think the decision on who starts game one is more important than it would have been in the past. The bigger deal is the LCS because in the Nash, I think in the ALCS, there's an off day between game one. The ALCS is weird, but we're doing a, a podcast about Rico Bronia and the Mets. All right. There's no off day between three, four, five, six, seven. So three, four, five, no off day. It's three, four, five, six, seven. Which means you need five starters, technically, in, an, in a league championship series. So before this series started against Atlanta, I would say that helps the Mets. The Mets have a really good five-man rotation. That's good for the Mets. You can roll out a Carlos Carrasco and a Taiwan Walker, potentially. But now, if you're short arms, it, it doesn't help you. Um, I don't know... With Jake especially, and even with Max Scherzer, because Max Scherzer is a guy who had a tired arm last year in the postseason. How willing Buck's going to be to start guys on short rest? Now, obviously, I think in theory, if your season's on the line, how can you not? But I've seen managers before, especially the last few years, say, I don't want to do it because I don't think I'm going to get the best out of my guys if I start them on short rest. So it definitely adds a different element of strategy in terms of your rotation. In the LCS, sometimes you can't pick your rotation per se, especially if you have a five-game series in the divisional series. You're kind of rolling out guys after they had just pitched. So in the Mets case, if you have Jacob DeGrom pitch game five of the divisional series, obviously he's not pitching game one of the NLCS. just doesn't always work that way. But it does, I think, benefit the team with the deeper rotation. Not the team with the shorter rotation, but dominance at the top. Now, the Mets have dominance at the top. We all know that with DeGrom and Scherzer. They also, if healthy, can have the length. Because having Carlos Carrasco start a playoff game, you can do a lot worse. Having Taiwan Walker even start a playoff game, you could do a lot worse. Chris Bassett, I think we all assume starts a playoff game. I think for us as Mets fans, we all just look at Chris Bassett and say he's your game three guy. I think that's the way we view it. So in the divisional series, I think it hurts a little bit in terms of the choice about who would pitch Game 5. Because some people even say, oh, who pitches Game 5, Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom? I think it's Jacob DeGrom. But in the old format, and I think the format they'll go back to next year, you could almost make a choice where if your guy struggles in Game 1 and the guy who pitches Game 2 dominates, you're just feeling better about that guy. Not saying I would do that with DeGrom and Scherzer. You would have each guy on regular rest for a game five. That's gone. That's out the window. So, you may also think, and I, this may be overthinking a little bit, who's more equipped to come out of the bullpen on short rest? Max Scherzer 
or Jacob DeGrom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Probably Max Scherzer because Max has done it. We've seen Max Scherzer pitch in the postseason on short rest coming out of the bullpen. So if you start the Grom game one, Scherzer game two, which I think we all assume anyway, you'd have DeGrom on regular rest in game five, and you'd have Scherzer out of the bullpen on short rest for game five. The LCS is a little bit more complicated. It doesn't change in terms of the guy who was starting game one would pitch game five. The where it changes is if you were going to go three days rest, three days rest, three days rest, the way the Yankees would with CC Sabathia back in the day, the way Bob Gibson would do back in the day. I'm going to pitch game one, game four, game seven. That's gone. If you try to do that, it's not going to work because of the lack of off days. So your game one starter is only going to pitch twice, game one, game five. I mean, technically, you could push that guy back and give them an extra day rest, have them pitch game six, depending on the way the series is going. So there's a lot of interesting options. I think the health of the Met rotation and the way guys are pitching will dictate a lot of it. But it was a significant announcement, and I don't love it because I get we had a lockout, and I get that we're trying to condense things into a smaller schedule. But I don't like effing with the playoffs. I don't like effing with a playoff that we're used to. A format that, besides 2020, where everything was screwed up, there were no off days in 2020 because there was, excuse me, no travel. I don't like doing that. I would rather schedule another freaking doubleheader. <laughs> or, how about this? Have the World Series go one extra day. We're already going into, like, November. So, what's another day? Maybe it's TV, but then again, game six and seven are Friday, Saturday. Wouldn't they prefer Saturday, Sunday? So, or Monday, Tuesday, at this point, when you're going into November, what's another couple of days? And let's also all be honest with each other. Minnesota's not getting to the World Series. We don't have to worry about it at November World Series in Minnesota. Houston has a dome. In New York, we don't give a crap. It could be 25 degrees. Yankee fans, Met fans will all be so pumped up that we have ourselves a chance to be in the World Series. So, Atlanta, it's warm. L.A., it's warm. San Diego, it's warm. There's a dome in Houston. I think I already said that. There's a dome in Toronto. There's a dome in Tampa. And the Twins and the uh, Indians have no shot to get to the World Series. Oh, the Guardians. I'm sorry. Cleveland and Minnesota, they ain't getting there. So what's the difference? Have it go to mid-November. So when I heard that, I was by the pool. Uh, my wife was giving me a strawberry daiquiri. And at the time, she says, "Hun, I don't know if you saw, but there's no off days between <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was checking my phone. I wanted to see if Kevin Durant was traded or not, or if he's bitching about something else. And I see this format. I'm like, what are we doing? Why are we taking off days away? I didn't like that. So I think, as obviously, as we get closer to the postseason, it'll be something we examine. But don't be taking our damn off days away. How are you feeling, Hoff? Are you down because this team lost three out of four? Or are you feeling a little relaxed? No, I said it uh, earlier in a tweet uh, just before the game finished. I said, I'm the most frustrated I've been all season 
because that Alonzo hit and run was Little League. And honestly, Alonzo is struggling right now. He He's, what, 3 for 24 or something like that? He can't be swinging the bat. There needs to be... This is Little League 101. If you have a fast runner at first base who's going to steal, let him take the first pitch. Let him yeah. get the base. It's that simple. That, to me, screwed the whole inning. So, yeah, I'm pissed off because that was a game we could have had in many different ways. And like we talked about, DeGrom, that was the worst we'll ever see him. And it was, it's amazing how they find a way to lose that, that game for him. So, yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah, I think what just has to happen now is they got to survive Philadelphia. Because as pissed as I am about the game and losing to Atlanta, what I do is I look at the standings. Because that's all that matters. If the Mets win the National League East, these games kind of fade away into darkness. Like, I don't remember any tough loss from 2015, other than the Justin Upton game. No, I do remember that, actually. I take everything back. I remember every tough loss. But no, when you win a division, <laughs> it eliminates all. And right now, what this loss in Game 4 and loss in this series did is it was a reminder that this race is not over. And I think after they won 4 out of 5 a week and a half ago, there was this feeling of, Wow, it's over. Wow, we're going to run away with it. I think I may have even said it on the Rico. Wow, we may run away with it. We're not running away with it. The Atlanta Braves are a 95-100 to 100 win team. They're that good. And they've shown a lot of fight. And give credit to Spencer Strider. You know, I crapped on him. Everyone crapped on him. Guy went out there and threw a hell of a game. And he backed up his whole, the Mets are lucky talk. The good news is this. The Braves are about to play the Houston Astros. And hopefully... The Houston Astros, who manhandled us, who took care of the Yankees, can do us a tiny bitty favor and take care of Atlanta. Because for the next month, we're going to do a lot of scoreboard watching. We're done playing these bastards. I mean, we obviously play them in October, uh, that final weekend of the regular season. But there's a lot of scoreboard watching. There's a lot of, we got to take care of our business. And hopefully, the Braves lose a bunch of times. I think this weekend is going to be the trickiest of them all. I really do. I think, and this is not a knock on the Yankees who have had their struggles, uh, not a knock on the Rockies, maybe it is a little bit, even the Dodgers next week. This weekend coming up against the Phillies is going to be a real test because they don't have their big guns going. They're dealing with potentially three depth guys out of four games against Philadelphia. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at three depth starting pitchers in these four games. So if the Mets can show some offense, and nut up a little bit, and somehow get two of these games, I'd feel very, very good going into that Subway Series. And hopefully you get some help from the Astros, and so this lead can maybe even increase by doing that. But that's this is going to be a tough weekend. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I think there's a chance Monday morning going into the Subway Series against the Yankees may be the most negative we've been all season long. we got to take a deep breath. Four games up on Atlanta. One win against the Braves in October, that final weekend of the year, means you'll win the season series. That was the other reason I wanted to win this game, just to secure the season series, because that's the tiebreaker. So the Mets are putting themselves in a spot where that weekend against the Braves, it's the final weekend of the regular season, then they got three games against Washington to wrap it up. They got to find a way to win a game. Obviously, we'll see what the standings look like at that point, but winning a game secures at least the tiebreaker in the National League East. So this sucks. This was the worst loss of the season Thursday night against Atlanta. The series was frustrating as a whole. They dealt with a lot of injuries, survived this weekend against the Phillies, and 
go from there. And my vacation's almost over. I'll be back with Craig Monday at 2 o'clock. I will leave North Carolina. That's where I am. The beaches of North Carolina. Braves country. Those bastards. And I'm coming back to New York for that Subway series. Which is weird. Because the Yankees are worried about their issues. And now we're worried about the freaking Atlanta Braves. It's going to be a weird little Subway series. But Scherzer and DeGrom in both of those games, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, before I drink myself to sleep, anything to add, Hoff? Uh, yeah, I was just at Judge's Chambers uh, on Tuesday, so you're rep- you're going Monday, is that true? Are you going Monday or Tuesday to the game? I'm going Monday and Tuesday. Mets, Yankees, Subway Series? Both games. You're going to... Uh, how does it... Now, it's different because you're going because the Mets are there, but... Does it feel dirty walking to the Yankee Stadium? It's a business trip, Pete. When I walk in the Yankee Stadium for Mets Yankees, <laughs> it's a damn business trip. We go in there looking for wins. I'm even going to take my son, my oldest son, Jed, to the second game of the series to see Jacob DeGrom, and hopefully we take care of business. Look, I have great respect for Yankee Stadium. I have respect for the Yankee fans, at least some of them, most of them. I don't know how the hell you went to the judges' chamber. I refused when I was asked by Craig, hey, would you go into the judges' chamber and put a hat on? No. I'm a goddamn Met fan. I'm not going to the freaking judges' chamber. Did you put the wig on? Did you put the whole uh, judges' outfit on? No, I had, I had nothing. Good. I didn't. I was very neutral, didn't do any of that stuff, didn't cheer. We were on camera. I, I, was on, I don't know if Good. I was on camera, but when they did do a, a shot of us, I made sure I gave the biggest stank face possible. So that's what I tried to do. <laughs> Good job out of you. Good job out of you. Well, my fellow Med fans, if you're going to Philadelphia, which is something I did try to convince my wife, hey, we're driving back from North Carolina. You know what's on the way? Philadelphia. Didn't go over. I wasn't able to land the Philly trip, but if you are going to Philadelphia this weekend, have a great time. I love that stadium. I hate the city. I don't like the fans, but I love Citizens Bank Ballpark, and then obviously the two games against the Yankees. And then we can take a deep breath playing the Colorado Rockies, tough series against the Dodgers, and then the schedule will certainly soften up as we enter September. So this sucks. Let's link our wounds, and let's move the hell on. Uh, I'll be back with Craig on Monday in time for the Subway Series at 2 o'clock, and we'll have another Rico right after they wrap up this four-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies, and I'll be back in my home studio, so you won't have to hear waves in the background if that's what you've heard. If you haven't, whatever. There were waves in the background. I'm sitting on my deck at the house we rented, staring at the beautiful ocean waves. Anyhow, thank you for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>